This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Go! Sports Daily is on KFH. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, and we are happy to be joined by Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast, an Odyssey original featuring the most notable names in Major League Baseball and all around sports every week. Brett, welcome into the program. Former big leaguer, lots of different places, plenty of time around here. Uh, I'm sure growing up around the Kansas City Royals. Glad to have you on the show. Welcome in. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. Let's let's start, Brett, with, uh, with your podcast. So you're joining the Odyssey team here. What can people expect and, and what should we look for with this new venture for you? Well, I've been doing it for a couple of years, and, and we teamed up with Odyssey. Uh, I'm excited about our, our uh, you know, our coming together. It uh, just opens a lot more venues, but it's it's been it, – it really hasn't changed since the beginning. You know, I've, I've had two guests on a week, and, and basically my buddies from the world of sports and, and entertainment, and uh, we just sit down. We do about 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, on each interview and, and, uh, all of them are different. You know, I got a lot of guys on, on the broadcasting side, then you'll have players and, and we'll have an artist once in a while. Uh, so yeah, I've added one turning two with Booney, which, which is going to be our third podcast weekly, which is going to kind of just a question and answer with me. Uh, I have a, a buddy of mine that, that sits in and facilitates that. So we're having a lot of fun with it. Um, it's been an interesting process. You know, I started this a few years ago and, and never really been on this side of the mic. You know, as a player, doing thousands of interviews is one thing, but, but on the other side of the mic was, was a uh, kind of a humbling experience. It's something I had to, to learn, and, and uh, it's been a learning experience for sure, but a lot of fun. So, Brett, I saw that uh, your most recent uh, episode of the podcast, uh, you've got former Royals legend Mike Sweeney on the podcast. And, of course, you know, we follow the Royals here in this part of the country uh, you know, pretty heavily. And, and Mike Sweeney was the most recent team captain for the Royals before they just named Salvador Perez uh, their team captain. So what was that like, you know, talking to Sweeney? What did he have to say? And uh, any thoughts on, on the way that the Royals have started off the season 4-13? and 13? I think it's going to be a long season for the Royals. <laughs> that being said, yeah, uh, yeah Mike, he, he's a buddy of mine. Played against him for years. One of the one of the kind of the under underrated players of my generation. You know, I, I don't know. You know, it's maybe because he wasn't playing in 
in uh, New York or Boston, but Mike Sweeney for a, for a four or five year period there in the middle of his career was truly one of the best hitters in the game. You know, I, I looked at him and, and I, I remember during, during our, our tenure saying, you know, not too many people know about this sweetie guy, <laughs> but he can really hit. He's one of those guys I used to, cause I always liked to watch right-handers. I had a tough time with left-handers. You know, my Johnny Olerud for years was, was the guy to my left. And when it came to hitting, you know, we kind of look at each other. I said, Johnny, I can't relate to you, that left-handed swing. It's just a different world. But there are certain guys you look to uh, from the right-handed side. I played with one of the best of all time, Edgar Martinez. But I'll tell you what, Mike Sweeney, as far as just pure hitter, man, he was fun to watch. Brett, let's talk about the Royals currently as they stand. I it just it's been, a, it's been a rough go lately. Um, it's been a rough start to this season. A lot of Royals fans listening to you right now. As we look to the future, you know, so many of the teams with some of the same spending restraints and everything that the Royals face have had successful years recently. The Royals, outside of the two, you know, World Series runs, it's been rough. What, what it, is there hope for fans for this franchise outside of, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, down the road? Or, or is, do you think this is going to be a longer process for them? I think it's going to be a longer process. You know, the one team that, that is budget budget challenged year in and year out, and I don't know how they do it. It's like their avatars, the Tampa Bay Rays, and, and their formula, whatever they have working, seems to work. You know, as we as we saw, they got off to that 13-0 start, and you can never see it coming. You know, we do our work before the season, and we look into it, and, you know, I look at the Royals, and I don't think that's a – particularly challenging division. You know, uh, I see Cleveland, the White Sox have been disappointed lately. They're off to a rough start. Minnesota has been the the one that's kind of opened my eyes. They're a little bit better than I thought they were. I've watched a few games with them uh, in the Mariner series. KC, I I just think it's going to be one of those years. You know, I look at, I look at Oakland in the, in the, uh, in the American league West, and it's going to be a long year. I look at this Royals team, the, 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 the roster, the start they're off to, and I look at it, and it's going to be a long year. <laughs> you, you're right, though. Yeah. There, are, there are a few few bright spots. Bobby Wood Jr., you know, how long is, is that going to last? He's just kind of coming into his own now. We know he's got that superstar potential. It'd be cool to see him really really take the, take the next step in, in his career. Uh, Perez has been a perennial all-star, one of the probably the top power guy from the catching position. Uh, you've got a guy that's probably going to be a Hall of Famer in Zach Grinke uh, at the top of your rotation. But other than those storylines, I don't think uh, Kansas City is going to have much to cheer for this year. So, Brett, when you were in uh, in the big leagues and, and throughout your entire career, um, you know, one of the things that we've noticed with the Royals uh, specifically is that just trouble hitting. And that's the way it's been through the first couple of weeks of the season. It's basically everybody, uh, you know, outside of Bobby Witt Jr. and Salvador Perez. So when you were in locker rooms and, and you, you know, were in the big leagues and you were on a team, and I don't know how often this happened or maybe it never happened at all. But if you were on a team that just collectively having trouble hitting is there a, I know there's not a magic bullet to break out of it. Is it just a matter of grinding through it? Or is there something that, you know, you can do in that locker room or with the entire team to try to get out of that slump? Well, it's funny. You know, they, they say, uh, you know, in, in sports hitting is the, is the toughest skill. And, and, uh, 
in my time, my 14 years in the big leagues, uh, I had some real high highs and I had some, I had some tough years and challenging years offensively. I've been on some teams that, that were unbelievable offensively. I've been on some teams that really struggled as a team. There's real, no, there's really no, uh, magic tip. You know, I think, uh, the layman's and, and fans usually go to, oh, the hitting coach needs to be fired when their team isn't hitting. I, I laugh at that as an ex-player because we know that the hitting coach has little to, to nothing to do with your success as a hitter and not as a hitter. Minor leagues is a time to to hone your skills, to, to uh, mature and to become a big leaguer. Once you get to the big leagues, you're a big boy now. It's not, oh, I need my hitting coach to, to walk me through. This isn't golf, like with a swing coach. You, you get to the big leagues, you're expected to be a, a finished product. And when you get in the box, it's just you and that pitcher, you know. So, yes, I've had uh, hitting instructors, very few, that, that I could lean on a little bit. And it's not necessarily from the physical side. It's more of a mental thing. It's more of a uh, – Something they say that clicks something in your brain. That's hey, that's a good point. You know, get something to get you in a good frame of frame of mind when you leave that on deck circle and go to the batter's box because it's just you and that pitcher. And and as a hitting coach, <laughs> once that game starts, there's nothing they can do other. You know, they put their work in before during the week before the game, maybe early hitting, but really it's just you and that pitcher. So at the big league level, no. It's something you got to grind through and find out what you're made of. Find out if you're a big leaguer. Uh, a lot of guys that I played with at the lower, at the minor league levels, had that big league ability, but when, when they got to the to the biggest stage, uh, something was different. So uh, it's something we've all struggled with. I certainly have had my share of humble pie uh, hitting, and I and I've also been on the other side of that where where I, I've had a lot of success hitting. So it's still the toughest thing. I, I still occasionally, you know, I'm 17 years removed now. I still occasionally have a dream where I'm in the batter's box and I'm not seeing the ball well, and I'm chasing that slider off the plate, and I and I wake up in a sweat going, all right, good, I don't have to do that anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's something I can definitely relate to, but it's something you got to grind through. And, and always the, 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 the plus big leaguers, the, the, the guys that excel in their career become all-stars, they're the ones that are going to persevere and come through this. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. That's you have dreams about being in the batter's box. The rest of us have dreams that we missed like a test or something in college. Not, oh, not the, the, the same. We're, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're we're envious. Uh, three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, two-time Silver Slugger. Brett Boone joining us here on Sports Daily. We appreciate it. He's got a new podcast, uh, new to Odyssey, I should say, new partnership with Odyssey on the Brett Boone podcast. Brett, I want to go back to the Royals for a second. You've got new ownership there. They made a lot of front office changes. They'd really like to get downtown in Kansas City there with a brand new ballpark. And I wonder where you stand on this because I, I just like the product on the field hasn't been there. You're going to ask people to help pay for this, but you know, the payroll hasn't been there. The product on the field's not there. Like do, do you, 
where do you fall with these new downtown ballparks for for franchises that have struggled a little bit and and is it necessary is it worth it what what's it going to do ultimately for the franchise that they can try and sell fans on well i think the stadium in kansas city is is kind of a uh, you know i wouldn't say it's old yankee stadium it's not fenway park it's not wrigley but it's a beautiful ballpark, and, and it kind of transcends time. They've made some adjustments and, and upgrades throughout the year. It's kind of like a Dodger stadium to me. You know, always been a beautiful, beautiful stadium, a nice surface. Uh, but everybody always wants, especially the ownership groups, they want the new shiny, shiny object. You see all these state-of-the-art ballparks throughout the major leagues. And, and you know, I, I could imagine being the owner of the Royals right now and that ownership group saying, hey, why can't we have our brand-new stadium? Um, definitely it helps, but it's definitely a tough sell when you're not having success around the franchise to the taxpayers to say, oh, yeah, by the way, fund this stadium for us. Uh, we'll do a lot better. We promise if you get us this stadium. That's a tough sell to the to the, uh, to the taxpayers. I, I, I saw uh, my city of Seattle where I spent a lot of time um, in 1995. They went to the playoffs. I had been traded to the Reds, but I'd always kept my eye because that's that's where I came up in Seattle. And they had that huge series and that kind of game changer. They played in that kingdom for a lot of years. Uh, it, it was a tough place to see, kind of dismal. The teams weren't very good, so the crowds didn't, you know, it, it felt empty inside, almost like Tampa Bay does right now. But they had that big series, and they beat the Yankees, and they went on to the next uh to the next round of the playoffs. And that kind of changed the dynamic in the city of Seattle. They, they then had a vote and they voted for the new stadium, which became Safeco field, which is now T-Mobile park. Uh, but it usually takes an event like that, a game changer where you, where you capture uh, the emotions of the fans and, and basically the taxpayers that after that unbelievable series where the Seattle Mariners had been kind of the stepchild for years and years in, in that division, all of a sudden they were going to the postseason. They had an exciting team. They had Ken Griffey Jr. They had Edgar Martinez and Jay Buhner, uh, guys that fans really, really held on to. And that changed the mind in that city because they thought they were going to play in the kingdom forever in, in this cement box. Uh, by the way, it was kind of good, good place to hit. But uh, as far as an atmosphere, as far as an atmospheric, it, it wasn't much. It was kind of, you know, you you'd get there early and you'd hear the, the buzz inside a concrete building. And it wasn't a very good atmospheric place. But uh, once they had that 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 kind of that moment of change and that postseason success, uh, it changed the minds of the, guy, uh, of the fans that, that vote on that new stadium. So I think it's going to take something like that in Kansas City if they want to get a new stadium. Give me a reason to vote. Give me a reason to trust this current ownership, why we should build you a stadium downtown and, and have something to cheer for for years to come. Switching gears a little bit here, Brett, uh, a big midweek series uh, kicks off tonight as the Angels travel to New York to take on your brother Aaron's Yankees. Uh, Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, two of the biggest stars in the game right now. I uh, got the series tonight, Wednesday night, and Thursday night in New York. What are you looking forward to with this series, and, and what, have you, uh, what have you thought so far early on in the season from not only Otani and, and Judge, but just the overall, um, the overall trajectory of both of these teams? 
Well, I, I watch the, the, the Yankees, you know, I, I keep a little closer eye on the Yankees. Obviously I, I, I'm kind of what, what I call a forced Yankee fan now because for years <laughs> and years they're, they're, they weren't my favorite, but yeah, I do keep one eye on the Yankees uh, for most of the time, just to see how my brother's doing. Uh, that That's a good team. That Yankee team is, they start off with a couple injuries with Severino and Rodon, the, the new guy they got in free agency, but they're still keeping their head above water. You know, they're still 10 and six and they're not even at, at, at full strength at this point. They're going to be, they're going to be probably the team to reckon with if they can stay healthy in that American league East, obviously the Rays I mentioned earlier uh, got off to that great start, the, you know, 14 and three start. Um, I'm seeing Minnesota being a, a, uh, a bright spot for me. I didn't think they were as good as they were. I think they're better, but in you're, you're talking about that series. Now Shohei Otani's angels, uh, that division is definitely better. The, the American league West, with my Seattle Mariners, I have high hopes for them this year. I think they're really good. Houston, obviously, I still think they're off to a rough start. I think they're the best team in baseball. But Texas and L.A., the Texas Rangers, who we haven't heard for, from in a long time, they've been at the bottom of that division. They're better than I think people people uh, thought. And I think the L.A. Angels are going to be someone to be reckoned with this year. I like the Angels. Obviously, they got a lot of star power. They've got Otani, Trout, uh, Rendon, who, who's really since he's left Washington and they won the World Series, uh, hasn't done much. He's been he's been hurt, um, but I like their starting rotation. Obviously, Otani at the top, Detmer and Sandoval. Sandoval is a really talented lefty, up and coming with the, with the Angels. You go to the Yankees uh, Angels series; it's an iconic series just because of the two players you mentioned: Judge, uh, sixty-two home runs last year, Otani. Still to this day, and everybody I talk to, I, I, I still can't believe what I'm watching with Shohei Otani. I, I can't believe I, – I never thought somebody could play both sides at the highest level. I thought it was too much, let alone play pitch and hit at an all-star level on both sides of the ball. It's It's truly amazing to me, and I can't believe it keeps going. It's been a year and a half now, two years on this high, high-level production from Otani. I'm sorry. It's been two years going on two and a half years. He should have, for me, I love Aaron judge. What an unbelievable year he had last year, but I think I was in the minority saying, Otani should have been the MVP last year too. And as long as he stays healthy, continues to do what he do, he should win the MVP every year. Cause I don't think you can really equate what he means to a team. I, we've never seen it before. This guy's pitching at an all-star level and he's in the lead, uh, the league leaders in home runs. It's, it's unbelievable. If he would just hit a seven hole hitter, that was a nice player, not an all-star, a nice player. And somebody that's third or fourth in the rotation. He's still an MVP candidate every year, just because he's doing something no one's ever done before. We heard that Babe Ruth did it. Well, I want to see the level that Babe was doing it at, but I, I didn't think I'd ever see something in my lifetime that I'm watching right now with Shohei Otani. And, and by the way, he sprinkles in, he steals bases too. That's what and, I was just, yeah. It's unbelievable. And and the level he does it at, and you know, I, I think he's from, from all accounts, he's, he's really a good kid, but I, I, I love to see when he steals a base and he just has that smile on his face. It's almost like 
I know what I'm doing is off the charts, and it's I'm really having a good time. <laughs> it's cool to see. I mean, he's still home last year. You know, he's pitching, hitting homers, stealing home. Uh, something I, I never thought we'd see, and I'm amazed every day I watch him. And and every time the Angels are on, I will tune in just to watch his at bat and see what he's going to do next. I can't think of a player, Brett, that we've done that with. And I agree with you. I think he, as a whole for the game, he's the best thing that ever happened to it. And it's going to amplify, I think, a little bit. You talked about stolen bases. Before we let you go, these rule changes. Royals-Rangers last night, two hours and two minutes. Um, I've always uh, been a fan of getting rid of the shift, doing these things that put more balls in play, increase the pace. A former baseball guy, what do you think about these? I think the general consensus is positive, but we do like hearing from somebody as close to it as you've been. Are you on board with all these changes? Are they good? Are they too far? What do you think? Well, first and foremost, I'm a purist. I like little change, uh, the game of baseball. It's been around a long time, and, and it's it's America's pastime for a reason. That being said, when I first heard the rule changes, uh, my brain says, no, there's no pitch clock in baseball. There's no, we, that's the one thing we, we have pride in is we're the one major sport that we don't have a clock. We're not held to a time frame. As it's gone on, and, and the talk, I've talked to managers and I've talked to a lot of the players. They've embraced it and they like it. Now on this side of the, on this side of the ledger covering the game now from a media standpoint, man, it's great for me. I, I DVR. And it's not a three-hour and 40-minute game. Like you said, it's two hours and two minutes. I can I can fast-forward through all this stuff and, and get my work done. So I do like that. I think what's most important and, and what's, what's going to matter going forward, do the fans like it? And so far, I'm hearing positive feedback from the fans. I think there's got to be some tweaks made uh, as we go on. At, you know, every, every new rule or, or something that you're, you're taking on, uh, in a sport nationwide, it's going to have its hiccups. You know, I'm seeing that right now. I was watching a game last night, and and Burns for for the Milwaukee Brewers, he would wait. He'd get to the eight second mark when the hitter has to address the pitcher, and he'd let it go down to that one to to one second before he delivered. So you see the cat and mouse already going on with the pitch clock. I think from a hitter's perspective, it's not that big of an adjustment. We just know they went through it in spring training. You're kind of trained now to, no, I need to get back in the box. But from a pitching perspective, I think of the guys like a, a Clayton Kershaw, a Justin Verlander, who have been in the, the big leagues for 20 years. Both of them are going to be first ballot Hall of Famers. And all of a sudden, you're saying, okay, now you've got to do things differently than you've ever done in your career. My first thought was, that really isn't fair. I think the hiccups you're going to see are going to be uh, percentage-wise on the pitchers. And I think about that postseason game or, or a big game at the end of the season that's a decision-maker for who goes to the playoffs, who doesn't. Seventh inning, bases loaded. I can't get on board with my catcher. I'm a pitcher, but I know if I don't deliver this pitch, it's ball four. I don't think fans in general, yeah, they love the swiftness. Uh, they love more balls are going to be put in play because of it. But I don't think fans on either, whether you're cheering for that home team or, or the visiting team, you don't want to see a game ended on a, on a pitch clock violation. So I think there's got to be some tweaks as time goes on. Maybe something where from the seventh inning on, they turn the clock off uh, in crunch time. I, I don't know what it is. I don't have all the answers, but I think something's going to have to be tweaked. As far as the base running, uh, you can only disengage twice. I've thought about this a lot. A guy like myself who – 
who I was the middle of the road. I'd steal a base if you didn't pay attention to me, you know, and on a good year, I'd have double digit stolen bases. I don't think it's going to change that much, but for the elite base stealers, I think you're going to see a lot more activity. All right, Brett, we appreciate it. More discussions for another day on any tweaks. Uh, thank you for stopping by Sports Daily. Let's do it again soon. You got it. Thank you. That was Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast and Odyssey Original. Make sure to follow the Brett Boone Podcast on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Really appreciate that conversation. We're up against a hard break. We'll take it. We'll come back and wrap up Sports Daily right after this. Let you